Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. We've given Paul the week off, but we haven't given Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment the week off because, as you know, they empower athletes and entertainers with knowledge. They need to make the informed decisions about their finances and wealth. You can learn more at morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, LLC member, SIPC. Frankly, Paul needed the week off to get geared up for what's about to happen next week in NBA free agency. And yeah, we're going to talk about some uninformed decisions, right? <laughs> the, the hot stove. Right. I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, I, you know, I love this stuff. I hate this stuff. Exactly. Right. Like you kind of feel dirty reading it, but you love it, right? I, here's a quick experiment. It's like the male soap opera. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and, and, of course, NHL also uh, next week, too. With and Premier League soccer and everything else in my life goes away. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're following <laughs> Premier League soccer. I'm, I haven't uh, – I'll get into that. Oh, you want hot stove. Oh, my goodness, Kevin. Uh, oh, they, really? They are every hour, every day. More so than NFL? Let, let me tell you why. These guys, get val- these guys get market valued. They literally get market valued, right? What, what am I worth today versus tomorrow versus yesterday? Because teams buy you. You, you purchase a player. You purchase the rights – to own a player. That's right. Then you pay him a contract. Then I, you pay bonuses. The, it's I do a like, whole other level of finance. I do like their transfer system. We'll have to do a show it's on crazy. that. Yeah, that's uh, July 1st. That's point. what I'm saying. The transfer yeah. window is July 1st. Oh, well, so all right. it's all there, man. Yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> neat. So, yeah, they put the value on it. The teams buy, you know, sell players. I mean, we're talking $250 players. million dollars for these big players. Right. Could you imagine Kevin Durant being market valued at $250 million just to bring him in the house? Then you pay him two hundred fifty million more. That's what's happening in soccer. That's crazy. That's that's what we're talking about. It's fun wow. to keep up with. Well, he picked the wrong sport. Perhaps not. <laughs> well, you that, could just be LeBron and own a own a Premier League team and then play basketball. Yeah. That would work too. Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah, and his, I I love all the uh, uh, leaks about Space Jam two and who's in the. You yeah, know, he's finally owning it up to it, right? Like, yes. Like he's super excited, and you know, this is the best thing of his year, obviously. <laughs> hey, you want a part in the movie? Come sign with the Lakers. All right, um, let's talk about the NBA free agency hot stove, and there's so many things yeah, that go on there. But we're just going to touch on these. I mean, yeah. there are so many rumors out there right now. But. So let, let's just start with Jimmy Butler, Butler here. Yeah, this is I, he's one of my favorite names this summer because he's sort of the X factor, right? There's you know your Durant's and your Kyrie Irving's and your Kawhi's, that, that might end up being pretty boring at the end of the day, don't you think? A lot of maybe stay homes there. I think Kawhi's staying. We'll talk a little bit, but but J- I think Jimmy's going to move, and maybe how Jimmy moves might be the most interesting part of it because the, re- the report yesterday, and it's a good one, is that Philly might be willing to sign and trade him, and the team that apparently appears in- interested is Houston, which is all sorts of interesting because obviously we had the Chris Paul drama last week, which we talked about. They had a coaching drama, you know, drama. Is D'Antoni going to stay? Is he the right coach? Can they figure out these personalities? Can they win with this team? They have no cap space. They're way under. I mean, like negative 17 right now in, mm. in practice, and that's practical space. So you're going to have to move two, maybe three major pieces just to consider this. But I, I do think it's worth it. I think this is a this is a smart move for both sides. You're probably getting – I mean – People forget before Butler went to Philly from Minnesota when he was, you know, exiling himself out of Minnesota, Houston offered four first round picks to get him just to get the rights for him on a rental process. So they're they're in on him and they're willing to go big for him. You have to imagine that's going to be the same kind of thing here, right? He is uh, to, to me, he's an underrated player, sure. which which sounds crazy. Right. But I love that story out of Wolves training camp. <laughs> 
right where you know he criticized teammates they're all mad at him he got pissed and just said okay he took all the quote unquote scrubs sorry guys in Minnesota and <laughs> beat beat the other starters and just he's dominated a, he's an angry player he's a good player really good player he can score but doesn't have to right. and he's a defensive he's a defender. superstar which is Correct. what Houston needs all of those fit the bill for Houston it's a great fit he's Kawhi Kawhi Leonard light sure right sure yeah, he. I mean, his days in Chicago, he was a star. Yes, he was a star with Derrick Rose there for a few years. So he he can do it all, but he can also be a role player, which which obviously he would need to be in Houston because nobody touches the ball but James Harden. That's right. All right, so uh, keep an eye but, on that. But that. But does Paul go as part of that? I no, mean, I don't think so. It's too much money for uh, Paul's he, contract, yeah, right? Nobody's taking thirty nine million for Chris right. Paul. I mean, thirty nine forty one forty four. That's oh, Chris Paul. So oh my gosh! I don't even think it's a conversation, but. To, one more thing here, because the sign and trade has changed a little bit, right? It used to be you could you could sign the contract you you want to sign, then be traded and go to a new team, and it was sort of a you know one to one scenario. The the recent CBA did change this. You you won't be able to sign that max five year super max contract that Philly can offer him, which would be five for one ninety. If if it's a sign and trade scenario, he won't be able to sign that. It'll have to be the standard four years one forty, which is a which is like a free agent max contract. And then he'd be traded. So he won't get five years out of this if he if he goes to Houston on a sign and trade. But four for one forty to join that team and push for a finals, especially this year with the Warriors situation, I think it's really smart. And, and just to summarize that, the sign the reason why he'd be sign and trade because Houston has to has to move some money. Houston, right? I mean Houston they can't just bring move. him on. It, well, Houston has to move and that's the only way they can acquire a player like this. They can't just go and sign anybody in free agency with the with the limited cap space. All right. Celtics, speaking of Cap space. Yeah. They have cleared cap space. Yeah, they uh, they had an interesting last week, and it sort of went under the radar unless you're really paying attention. Uh, they had three firsts, their first-round picks, which sounds great, but it's also expensive, right? And it's something that they've had a lot of people have monitoring because the second you draft a player, their cap hold becomes part of your salary cap. And we're talking, it, it, I think it was close to $9, $10 million of cap holds for these first-rounders. They ended up trading one of those picks, and that was a big move. Because what it did is it put put them really close to having the practical cap space to be able to afford a max player, which is what they're trying to get to here. I don't think it's going to be your Kawhis, your your Durant's. I don't think we're in that conversation. I think we're at, at the the level, you know, the next tier down, right? Which is Kemba Walker, uh, Nikola Vucevic. Those are the players I identify because they really kind of fit the pieces that are leaving in Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. And I don't think Boston wants to break this up too much, right? Their, their young core is sort of, you know, intact at least for a year or two. So bringing in one of those players to sort of just replace what they had and maybe be a little bit better fit personality-wise, too, in terms of Kyrie. Interesting note, though. If Kemba Walker yeah. leaves Charlotte. Oh, it's a crazy note. I mean, he, because he was third-team All-NBA, he qualifies for a Supermax contract, which Charlotte can offer him five years, $220 million. That's $81 million guaranteed more than any other team in the league can offer him. So if he leaves Charlotte, he's leaving $81 million on the table. That's a big decision. But that's if Michael Jordan's team wants to sign Kemba to that contract. I, I don't know that they'll offer it. You're right. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they have to because, because even just a normal five-year max contract, not a super max, right, is still going to be more than any other team can offer them. So you, it, it probably doesn't make sense for Jordan and those guys to do that because they're putting themselves, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot on a team that needs a lot of pieces, right? right. So if you're going to keep Kemba, doing the five for two twenty is going to is going to damage your cap to a point where you can't make yourself better, which is the whole point of why he would leave in the first place. So 
you're, you're right. It's probably moot to, to talk about $81 million on the table, but it is a reality. I mean, he, he, in reality, Charlotte can offer him a super max contract, and leaving leaves, leaves that much money on the table. More of a short-term guy with Where do you team, think he right? goes? He, he, wow. He's, I, I mean, Jimmy Butler, I've got a few teams for him, too. I, I like the Clippers to get in that conversation, especially if they miss out on Kawhi Leonard. Um, Kemba, I, I can name three or four teams. Well, the Lakers are interesting. I think right? so, but I don't know that, that, that they would spend the money on this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they have to go through heaven and hell to, to get the cap for somebody. See, I, I think I think what happens with Walker depends on what happens with Durant in Irving. Because he's the next guy in, right? Yeah. Yeah, after Kyrie. So let's say Kyrie does Brooklyn. Let's Brooklyn. Say, let's say he goes to Brooklyn. Kemba's a New York guy. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say Kemba the Kemba loves Madison Square right. Garden. So you've got to think. But, but if Boston's in, Boston's the best team available right sure. now. Sure. Right? I mean, Boston's ready to win. They could be. The, they're probably the second contender in the East right now. That would be that would be the best case scenario in the East for Kemba Walker. No, maybe, right? Maybe in the league, maybe because you're in the East. Yeah, <laughs> right. Although I know I I know that they were a good team. Boy, he I I just feel like he'd look good with the freak in Milwaukee. Oh, man, but they, they've got you their know, own mess though. Yeah, I know they've got a mess. <laughs> that you know they, they've got a lot going on there. But mm-hmm. just boy, that would be nice. All right, Knicks. Well, let's talk about the Knicks and Nets here. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's. There's talk that Durant and Kyrie have been um, Kyrie's, talking together, right? Kyrie's been linked there since what March yeah, of last year. <laughs> um, so it'd be a, it'd be a surprise, a huge surprise if he doesn't wind up there. Uh, but Durant is the one to talk about here. I have no doubt in my mind that both the Knicks and the Nets will offer a four-year max for Kevin Durant. It makes no sense not to. I don't think he's knowing he's it. not going to play this year, right? I don't think he signs it. I, I think at the end of the day. The Warriors come in with a mass contract, and financially speaking, that's just too good for him. To, it's the Kemba situation, right? The, the, the Warriors can, can offer him $50 million more than any, any other team in the league right now. But wasn't there uh, rumblings that he's angry at the Warriors for... Right. This is hot stove at his best, injury, right? right? I mean, yeah. I mean, somebody floats that out that's there. Right. Is that probably the, the Knicks. Probably the Knicks floated Very out well there. could be. Very well could <laughs> be. I'm Maybe it's kidding, the reporter Knicks. who pissed off the Mets guys, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Just to get that in here. Oh. I almost um, I am I got threatened by a player once. Did you? Oh yeah. Um that can't be good for you. Well, it was not a baseball player. Actually, I, I was not at fault. And now ah, what the hell? I'll tell the yeah, story. Yeah, bring you, it you, on. We got time story story time here on the Spot Track podcast <laughs> real quick. Uh the Buffalo Bills, I used to be a beat reporter uh covering the Buffalo Bills. They had a Monday night game in Miami mm-hmm. and they lost thirteen to ten. And Gabe sounds, sounds like a good Bills game. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Gabe Northern was one of their better defensive players at the time. Gabe was a, a large def- edge player, defensive end, outside linebacker, but more defensive end. Well, what Gabe's probably six five. Well, now I'll, I'll throw shade at you, Gabe, because we 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 laughed about this at a golf tournament uh, a couple years ago. He's probably two ninety now, but he was like two sixty right sure. at the time. And and you're not. And I'm not. No, I'm well. I'm not six five. No, um, you know I'm not a small guy. But whatever. I was. I was 23 years old. Actually, Paul. I wish Paul was here because he he was there. Yeah. It was it, Paul and I. He was uh, working for uh, the CBS affiliate, and both he and I were interviewing Gabe Northern after the game. And I just said something like, "I said, Gabe, you guys played a great defensive game. I mean, that's it's kind of frustrating to hold Miami to 13 points and, and not come out with a victory tonight. Boom. Right. Get his reaction." Sounds like you want me to say something negative. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to get the match. No, nah, man, you want me to say something negative. Next question. So Paul asked him a question, and Gabe 
in the in the middle of Paul's question, Gabe just turns to me. He says, "Man, get the f out of my face." I said, "I'm not getting the f out of your face." You know, I'm you know whatever. I, I'm just legitimately thinking. No, get it. I'm gonna, and, and so John Butler, the late GM. Mm-hmm. I used to host a show with John, uh, with John. A show comes over. Uh, Gabe, sit down. Sit down. Kevin, come here. I, Gabe, you sit down and shut up. Kevin, you come here. I said, John, he's like, no, no, I know. I know. It's just an emotional time. And it was. I mean, I, I understand. Like, they, they played a great defensive game. The Dolphins were charged at the time, and they held them to 13 points and lost. I, I get it, but that's what I'm trying to get the emotion of the player, which the fans want to know. And John's like, it's all right. It's all right. You didn't do anything wrong. That's exactly what happened with the Mets. I right, mean, the Mets, yes. They were just high tension. Everybody's sort of on, on the high wire right now with that team, and, and the, it was the tone of the question. The, if you just look at, read the words in an article – it sounds ridiculous, right? But you know that the tone and the attitude of that reporter set him off. Sometimes, you sometimes, get it. You yeah, get it. yeah, sometimes. Maybe it's the way I asked. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've listened back to it, and but whatever. So no, <laughs> it's haunting you. No, it's not haunting me. It, it's not haunting me. But uh, it, I did uh, appreciate how players. You know, it's such a short period of time. Sure. You know, when reporters are allowed in and they don't listen, they lose a game. They don't want to talk. Oh, God. You coach, even if it's Little League, you lose a game, you're, you're angry, yeah. right? You don't want to talk about it. So, anyhow, um, we digress back to back <laughs> right. to this. Smooth transition. Yeah, smooth back transition. To uh, back to story time here. So, the, the, yeah, so Durant, um, you think he's going to stay with Golden State? Well, I think he's going to sign with Golden State. And now you're talking about for like a one year. No. No, no, I think he gets his five-year deal. I, I, he I think, doesn't play it out there, I actually though. think the, the, the notion that was brought up by ESPN, which was a delayed sign-and-trade, makes a heck of a lot of sense. So what this is is he's going to sign that five-year max contract in Golden State, and then at some point down the road, whether it's January, whether it's next summer, they will trade him. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Right? And if they don't, they don't. But all of that is best-case scenario for Kevin Durant. He's sure. going to make $50 million more. He's going back to one of the best teams in the league, maybe ever. They might trade him to the, the team that he you know, sort of coaxes them to trade sure. him to. They get if, something in right, return. Right, because they get a ton in return. Right. For four years left of Durant's contract, I mean a ton if he's healthy. That's the other thing. If he's not healthy, he's got a five-year guaranteed contract. That's another reason to do this. And oh, by the way, if it all works out and, and they don't trade him, he gets to stay with Golden State and Steph Curry. So I, I don't I don't see any flaw in doing that, right? Sure. If Golden State offers you the max, you just take it. Do you think they owe him this? Oh no. This is business. Look at this is this is what I deal with every day. I, I used to be an emotional fan, right? Especially with the Mets. All I had to say was fan. But you know, take the being on the business side of it like I have been now for a decade, there is no there is no there's no friends, there's no loyalty. None of that right. exists anymore. I mean, this this Warriors situation has been so good for so long. But they're gonna they're gonna break it up as soon as they need to, sure. And it's probably gonna be next year because Draymond's up, Iggy's up, Iguodala's up. You can sort of see the writing on the wall coming. But no, there is no. I mean, look at you can listen to what you want to listen to about you know who forced who back onto the court and all of that. I and mean, there's plenty of stories out there about Golden State right now. But at the end of the day, it was about winning the championship for Golden State. It had nothing to do sure. with the future careers of anybody. Nothing to do with money and all that. It, it, it's. If you're if you can walk, you're playing for us, right? I mean, there's no there's no friends here right now. No that's, way. That's professional sports, that's it. Yeah. frankly, right? That's it. That's and it. you know, that's listen. Uh, these are employment contracts, and I'm sh- and inevitably somebody out there listening right now. You have an employment contract, and there's an 
exit time on that contract. Mm-hmm. And if the company or employer elects not to renew said contract, which, by the way, you have the right, same right too, to not to turn down a renewal of the contract, right? It's a two-way street on this thing. So, Well, let's speak to that right? because isn't the question, should the Warriors do this? I mean, isn't it kind of crazy to offer a five-year guaranteed contract to somebody with this injury at that age? <laughs> I mean, I do. Yes, I, I, I think if I'm if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I'm taking in the medical opinions of everybody, right? And I'm looking at the I'm looking at the business side of things. You know, how long? And you also have to look at in the modern NBA climate. Mm-hmm. How long can you keep a dynasty together? Right? I mean, it's not just Durant. Okay, Steph Curry's amazing right now, but you know his production is going to fall at some point, right? In the next five years, so uh, you know what's your window, and what's your window, frankly, next year to try to uh, go back to the finals and win a title. I wonder. I wonder if everything we're talking about actually comes together like this. Steph Curry is signed through twenty twenty one. Okay. Okay. Which is a three year deal right now for Kevin Durant. That's also the exp- expiration of the CBA, which could go one of two ways, right? It could eliminate max contracts, which means Durant would be able to cash in for a ton of money. Sure. Or, and Steph as well. Or it could be, you know, maybe maybe much of the same, but maybe they get pinched a little bit. They're, these guys are making a ton of money. It, it's very possible this next iteration of the CBA squeezes them a bit and, and to, to pump up the middle class, to maybe up, up the rookie wage scale a little bit. You, you never know how that's going to float out. There's been a lot of things said. Um but it's, it's sort of 50-50 on what happens after 2021. It's very possible that that's what the Warriors say. We'll, we'll sign you for three years at a max at, at max salaries. We know we're going to have to float through this year with you. Hopefully, we get two more good years out of you. If we got to trade you, we can do that. Um, otherwise, we bump you up with you know expiring contract with Steph Curry, and then we see what happens from there. Maybe that makes a little bit more sense than a full five-year contract, right? The for, for everybody. The smart thing... Um would seem to be for Durant anyways. Yeah. The smart thing would seem to be to sign with Golden State. Mm-hmm. Stay there unless he really wants to go back to the East, right? And S- unless he's yearning to do that. That to me the smart thing would be to sign with the Golden State Warriors. For the Warriors, they certainly have decisions to make here. They do. Uh big decisions to make. I just I just worry cuz they have Clay it, Thompson too. <laughs> I I don't even know what to do with that. How do you not offer him the max? You have to you offer have him the to max. Offer him the max. Yes. You have to offer from the max because some because three or four other teams will. Yes. So you, you you're you're pushed against the corner there, but not but they, really. He's a, he's an excellent player. <laughs> can they do both? They, they, sure. I mean, they're going to be fifty million over the, the luxury tax. I mean, they're going to be paying a ninety million dollar tax bill. Oh my! Probably gosh. without even trying. That's because just... they're repeat offenders and because of all these big contracts. And and well, they live in California. Oh, and oh, by the it. way, no Durant and maybe no no Clay until what March, <laughs> right? Uh, Minimum March. Well, they'll make the playoffs. So uh, will they? Sure. Will they? Sure. Sure. With Draymond and Steph? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Come on. Steph's that good, man. Steph is that good. And and Draymond is too. They're that Make good. the playoffs is probably right. Yeah. Um and they won't they but, but who knows? Utah got a lot better. They well Houston, they say Houston might get real better. The Lakers could get real better. Talk about that move for Utah real quick. It's great. Mike Conley? Yeah, the, and money-wise. It's the move I thought Boston should have made. Right. I, that's where I thought Mike Conley should have ended up, and I think maybe they regret that right now, going after a guy like Kemba Walker, who's going to cost a lot more in the long run. I uh, I think that was one of the smartest moves that we'll have all offseason. That's a veteran who maybe not wanted out because he seems like a pretty stand-up dude, 
Um, and he was kind of going through the motions in Memphis. But, man, he went to a team that was sneaky good last year, sneaky good the year before, and now he's sort of this this veteran glue piece that can run the floor. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He doesn't need to be the main shooter. They've got those guys in that team already. They had a nice draft. I I, I love it. I think they're going to be top four in, in the West. They might surpass Denver with what they did there. All right, J.R. Smith real quick. Oh, we got to talk about this because the, the – the the Lakers rumor mill itself is must is must read. It's <laughs> must read. Every hour you're seeing another old LeBron friend come into the conversation. It's now without a doubt J.R. Smith and Carmelo Anthony. Right. Without oh, a doubt. Without wow. a doubt. Be- because here's you LeBron think needs about some it. LeBron needs some young friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe talk to your son. See see what he likes. <laughs> well, that team his son's playing on, right? But here's <laughs> the problem. They can only sign guys at veteran minimum contracts. So you only have a small so a, list of guys who will take that kind of money. So that's what, a million now it's, or it's two like, million? It's like two and a half with a cap right. hit of one six. Okay. Right? So it's very good on your cap, but it's almost no cash to these guys, right? So you've got to have players who are way past their prime who are just sort of looking for, you know, one or two more years left in the league. I I just cannot imagine putting J.R. Smith back on the floor with LeBron James after what, what happened in Cleveland, the timeout situation. Oh, I mean, that's right? one of the most iconic pictures of this decade now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, LeBron, LeBron just puzzled. What, what are we doing here, man? And now they're going to be, you know, best buds and teammates again in L.A. on a team that has to win, all you know, all in here. Man. Well, I understand a guy like Rajon Rondo coming back because he can still play. J.R. Smith was basically put into a garage with the door closed last year. Nobody there, wanted to look at him. There, <laughs> <laughs> there may be a clause in the contract that before every game, they will let every official know if you see that guy make any hand signals <laughs> yeah, at all. He's trying to call a timeout. <laughs> yeah, it's not. No, it, he, he's not allowed to call timeouts. All right. Well, so do not acknowledge. Well, the clause in the contract is if you sign with the Lakers, you're under LeBron's terms. You sure. Could be, you could be gone right. by November 1st, right? I mean, that's it's true. It's going to be a lot of moving pieces. But it's, it's interesting because it's, it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in sports right now to fill out that roster. They're going to clear as much money as they can to try to get one of these players. I, I sat here for a week trying to, trying to make it work. I don't know anybody who would take the amount of money the Lakers are going to have. Anybody. Not Jimmy Butler, not Kawhi, not Kemba. There's just more to be made on on decently good teams, right? Like Kemba going to Boston is a way better and, situation than going to the Lakers. And don't kid yourself, players are going to take the money as they should. They you should take go it and while get it. you can get it for sure, right? I mean, Kemba Walker, especially Kemba. This is going to be this is his last this opportunity to, to cash in big time. This is it, right? And I understand if he doesn't want to take that super max, right? Because you know, max is enough. I mean, yeah. it is. It's just enough. One hundred ninety million is enough to to go and play basketball somewhere. But I. Uh, I just don't know how great that Lakers team looks right now. Well, that is um, it's fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. The NBA is, is going to be fun. I, I, I love um, uh, some, some people I follow on Twitter just like the NBA is awesome it's right, the right now. It is great. It's it really has. It's um, They've done a great job of um, capturing sports fans, not only with – how great the playoffs have been in the last five years, I'll say. The gotta, playoffs have been great. They really have I got to say this, been. too. A lot of it is just the transparency of the players. Sure. These guys are willing to talk. To your point with, with the reporter situation, these guys are willing to talk. These guys, every night, get on a mic. Sometimes it's crazy, but they're willing to say something almost every night. The sure. superstars, right? Yes. So it's good for them. Well, they have a great commissioner, too. They sure do. Right? I mean, Adam Silver really gets it. And so much so, listen... He uh, uh, he's heard the majority of the players who don't like the term owner. Okay, we're governors. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, fine. Yeah. No problem. He's not a big deal. Some people are starting to worry that he's getting too player centric with his decisions. But isn't that exactly where we should be right now? Listen, the the players are the attraction. The people who own the teams are not. Everything runs through these guys right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe there'll be a generation coming where these where the players aren't as dominant, right? I mean, you go through those those hills and valleys. Well, listen, yeah. Look between the gap between. Uh, Michael Jordan and it was awful. Le- LeBron's prominence. I-, I would say it was kind of Vince Carter and those kind of. Yeah, I, w- I would. I would even say until LeBron went back to Cleveland. Frankly, Shh. right? Because when he's in Miami, people hated it. All oh, these guys just all got together. Totally. They went back to Cleveland and won. It was like, oh, all of a sudden we love the players again. Is, is that fair? Yeah, because you had Boston doing the same thing. Remember, you had the yes. Paul Pierce, Garnett, yeah, Ray Allen. So yeah, that was a tough time. Um, but yeah, you've got legit superstars, maybe six or seven now uh, spread out across the country. So it's a super good time to be in the NBA right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's fun to follow and follow it all on spot track. All right. Before we, uh, uh, touch on some football, some baseball real quick. Yeah, real quick. The relief pitching and the future of team building and the Washington nationals better listen to this. Every team. <laughs> I, I don't know how much baseball you've watched, but I, I've watched a lot and not just the Mets. I was just in, obviously a prime candidate, but yeah, I was just in Washington recently yeah. and I, I, I flicked off the TV. They're winning eight to four and they lost 12 it, it, to eight. I'm like, well, how'd they lose that game? It's happening three, four nights a week. Yeah. With a lot of teams. The relief pitching's terrible. The, the starting pitchers are going five, six innings. A lot of these kids are younger. They, they're, they're not being pushed out there for seven or eight. Like we used to see all the time. And even the veterans are being pulled back to 90 pitches, six yeah, innings. Baumgartner just pitched six oh. uh, last night. It was great on the hill for the Giants. Yeah, but you know that guy can go eight. Right. I mean, he's the gamer, right? So, But they're saving him, right? Well, th- that's the conversation here is these GMs and these data-driven guys, these an- analysts, which these teams have full teams of. I mean, there's rooms of data analysts now, right? <laughs> and I'm all for it. I'm all for analytics. I'm all for these metrics and, you know, you know the heat, the heat patterns, and all that. You know where should we pitch this guy? When should we pitch this guy? Lefties versus ready. All that stuff is to the max now. I mean, the data is ridiculous. But I think in this case we're starting to see, and maybe it's for the first time. I mean, the shifts, the shifts are still working. So I don't think we can really argue with that too much. You're seeing some guys start to beat the shift. You're seeing some teams pull back on it a little bit. But I think for the most part, that is still doing what what teams want it to do. And by the way, everybody who hates the shift, if you've ever coached Little League or you you hear your, yeah. your son or daughter's coach say, hey, move over, Billy. He just hit it there last time. Yeah. It's the same damn thing. Same thing. thing. Right. Same okay. thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm teaching my daughter to hit inside out, by the way. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Go Apple. Um, but that's that is sort of still holding up, and that's been a few years now. But this relief pitching thing has really come into focus here, and it's it, it's a microcosm of – the way batters are approaching the game, right? So the whole home run approach, the launch angle, all of that, which is data-driven, of course. But that plus this pullback on starting rotations to the point of where now you've got a couple of teams not even starting starters, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the it's the overcoaching term, right? You hear this all the time with eight, eight and nine-year-old kids. That, you know, I, I hear it all the time from parents in Little League. You know, are, you're giving them too much. You're, you're, you're trying to do too much. Just let them go and play. I think we might be at that point with the pitching staffs in baseball right now. Um, you've got the openers. You've got six, seven, eight, nine, nine guys. You're bringing in four to five pitchers every game, and sometimes it's the same four to five pitchers every game, and obviously you understand the wear and tear there. Sure. But batters, and, and I pulled a quote here from uh, Freddie Freeman on it's Sports Illustrated this week because I think it's perfect. This is Freddie Freeman. Look at it this way. If you bring in four or five relievers every night, what are the chances that one of them is going to have a bad night? Pretty good, right? I mean, the odds are pretty good for the batter. 
And if you do use four or five relievers every night, there's going to be an attrition factor. As hitters, we've gone back to the idea of let's get to their bullpen. Of course. Sure. So you just you just sort of get your way. This is Manny Ramirez's entire career. I don't know if you followed him. Manny Ramirez openly said, the first time I go up there and I see you as a pitcher, I'm going to screw with you. I'm going to take a bad swing on an outside fastball to think to get in your head that I can't hit that pitch. And then the next time up, I'm sitting outside fastball and I'm going to crush it into right field. That's how he thought all the time. And that's what these guys are starting to think. They're not thinking, they don't worry about striking out in the first three innings because they know that they just got to slow play this thing to get to the sixth inning when these relievers are coming in throwing gas right down the middle. They've got two pitches, not five like the starters. Right. It's just a way easier approach. So I, this is just, a, I think, one of those examples where. I mean, the, the Mets have reports of the GM coaching the team from his couch. I've heard that, right? yes. I mean, do we need any more than that? Hmm. Even if it's not true, the fact that it's out there is a problem for the game. That We yes. don't want any of it. We don't want any kind of data-driven analysis from anywhere than the game itself, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's over-coaching to the maximum right there. So uh, just a couple of quick stats to get through this because it, they're nuts. This is the first time in 50 years that relief pitchers have a higher ERA than starters. 50 years. Right, makes sense. No, it makes sense because they're, they're pitching crazy. more. They're well, they're pitching more. But that's crazy. That's well, uh, crazy, right? Um, and hitters are slugging, which is power hitting, four twenty one against relief pitchers right now, which is the second second most in the history of baseball and the most since nineteen thirty. So they're doing exactly what Freddie Freeman is saying. They're they're waiting for those bullpens and they're launching. Well, let me give you a uh, a suggestion. Let me give major league teams a suggestion. What instead of having five starters? Yeah. Why don't you have six? Well, that's right. Yeah. That's right. One of the points I wanted to make: Are we going to have to expand starting rotations to have guys go seven, eight all the time? Yeah. And then you just right. You don't you don't pitch every four days anymore. You're pitching Correct. every six days. Yeah. And then and you go back to your your a two setup man and one flamethrower. Right. Because the closer is almost useless now. Because if you can't get to them, right, <laughs> right. If you're dead in the seventh inning, the ninth guy doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so two things have to happen in terms of team building, and it's been talked about a lot, and I think it's going to happen. The 25-man roster has to expand, right? We, we've got this crazy, stupid situation in baseball where for five months, it's a 25-man roster, and then September 1st, after the AAA teams finish, you can expand to 30. Why? Why, why are we doing this? Why do you make it easier on the team in September than it is in, in April? It, sure. it makes no sense. So based on our discussion here, and I agree with your point about expanded rotations, you have to have an expanded roster to allow for that, right? You don't you don't want to you, want, you don't want guys losing jobs because of this. And but here's what's going to happen: if you've got guys that used to pitch every four days pitching every six, they're not going to be worth as much. They're not going to make as much. So money. the salaries are going to be affected here for sure. So it's not a conversation people really want to have internally, but the, the the numbers talk to themselves right now. I mean, an ERA of 450 for relief pitchers throughout the league that's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. It's gonna be fun to watch to see how. Yeah, keep an eye on see it. See how, how this goes. You're right. I mean, but yeah, I mean, teams. I mean, you think about you have if you're gonna throw four or five relievers yeah. every night, they've got to be great. And Freeman's comments. He's are right. We spot only need on. one guy to be awful, right? And we're gonna crush him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It ain't what, to me. It also eliminates the the. Um, Wow, this guy pitched a great game. The gamer aspect, right? Of it. Yeah, yes, that's it. I I agree. That you mentioned Bumgarner, he's the the perfect Verlander. You know that kind of guy. Yes, I mean there's something to that, and that it's not just that he's going up there throwing. There's a there's a personality with that that pitchers don't feel confident with, 
or excuse me, hitters. Freddie Freeman wouldn't say that if Verlander's in the eighth still throwing 97. Correct. You know what I mean? Yes. Because you, you get overmatched mentally, and that's what's missing. That's what's missing. These, these hitters think they can get anybody right now. All right, before, and they're doing it. <laughs> before we uh, before we move on to football here, want to uh, talk to all you uh, fantasy football. Listen, the script tells me to call you guys nerds. All right, but <laughs> um, we use that term affectionately. Okay, if you missed out, play into the audience, Kevin. Okay, well, listen, that's fine. You know what? They're nerds who make money winning in their fantasy football leagues, right? Um, they, if you missed out on the beta sign up for Dynasty Owner, good news, you can still get a lifetime discount by registering right now through Indiegogo campaign. Here's how it works. Visit DynastyOwner.com. Select the level of support. There's levels of $250, $500, $1,000, You'll lock in a Dynasty team for life, plus additional gifts, hats, shirts, Yeti mugs, game tickets, and how about this, a one-week trip to a private villa in Mexico. Prizes vary based on your selected level of support. So gear up for the upcoming fantasy football season with the first Dynasty Salary Cap Fantasy Sports game that not only plays the game week to week, but uses actual contracts and salaries, giving you the roster power of both coach and general manager. Visit DynastyOwner.com to register your team and lock in a few great prizes and keep up with all the latest on Dynasty Owner Podcast wherever you subscribe. So, you know, we're getting closer to training camp here for the NFL. This is the we're in that period of the six weeks off that coaches hate because inevitably somebody <laughs> screws up, right? Uh, they have a boat party that goes wrong or something, right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Well, no. oh gosh, you're re- you're re- preaching to the question. Yeah, here. okay. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have a, a full list of of roster bubble players coming up soon here at SpotTrack.com. Yeah, hopefully right? by the end of the week, I've been cranking on that. It's uh, it's getting bigger and bigger as uh, more reports come in and more names sort of popping in my head. But yeah, we're going to have a full list by position of, of players who I think are going to enter training camp on the bubble. Yes, uh, Eli Manning is uh, just Look, a couple I, of teasers. That's not going to be popular, but I'm going to. I have to put him there. The Giants can still save twelve million. Daniel Jones is going to get a legitimate shot in training camp, and if he's good, if this is a Russell Wilson scenario, and if he's good enough. Eli should go, Eli should not be sitting on the bench in 2019, right? That's no way to end your career, right? Listen, I I'm I, I think there's a lot of people who are stunned he's still on the roster yeah, now. Yeah, and you paid him his roster bonus. He's got five million already this year, yeah. right? You, you don't. It's the, they, it's so the Kevin Durant situation. You they, don't owe him. Anything. I was just going to say by you paying don't him, owe him anything, five million. You don't owe him anything, <laughs> right? That's the, the part of and, and and it would be a detriment to him and the family, the Manning family, to see him on a bench holding a clipboard, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I think he's been classy throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. Right? He said all the right things. He's he's sat for a couple of games when they asked him to sit. He's he's been fine, but if. Look at the Giants aren't going to win the NFC East. They're not. I think maybe no, every team not. is ahead of them right now. <laughs> Dallas, Philly, and Washington. In some capacity, they're probably better than the Giants. By the way, Washington is Alex Smith. They're talking about right. him coming back. I didn't. Are even you put, kidding me? Oh, I did. Put, I did put Case Keenum on this list. All right, Case Keenum's here, but it's all of them, right? Because think about what they have right now. They have they they drafted Dwayne Haskins, who I think he's got to start, right? Uh, you would think. But they also traded for Case Keenum. And they and have, and they still have Colt McCoy, right. who they like. Yes. He knows their system. They like him. He's recovering from like three leg surgeries. I, I don't know where anybody stands, right? I mean, maybe Case Keenum gets the week one start because he's the healthiest and the most experienced, right? I, maybe I don't know. That just I, think, makes sense. I think the new sports car is going to look pretty damn good in the parking lot. Me and Haskins, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, I, if if it's close, like you go with the young guy, you can cut anybody. 
You sure. can cut anybody. I mean, Keenum can go. McCoy can go. They're all making like $3 million, And you only traded like a sixth and a seventh round pick to get Keenum. It, it's, it's nothing. Right. Costs uh, are doing business. Again, it's business there. Um, so if Haskins looks good, you're going with Haskins. But next year, and this is where you're alluding to, if Alex Smith is healthy and you, you've got $21 million guaranteed to him already next year. Right. No, no matter what happens, whether he plays for you or not, what do you do there? I, nobody's going to trade for him. And take a take a chance on that leg, right? I I, I I think it'll be remarkable um, if he can come back. Just mm-hmm. remarkable. I think it's incredible. He's even thinking about it. W- would you even try if you knew you had forty million guaranteed? Well, you know what? I, I guess it's unfair because you know right now all of us listening just think about the money. You're like, oh, why, well, why how would can I? You not? It's not like it's a million. It's forty million. But we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about a high achiever here, somebody who you know is a professional yeah, athlete. But, yeah, but I thought about this too, Kevin. It's not like this is year three for him. Right. I, I mean, no, he's I been, agree. He's done it. He's done a nice right. job. He's 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 recovered his career, which was a bust in San Francisco. It was yeah. a total bust. I would agree. And then he went to Kansas City and really turned it around. And this was supposed to be the culmination of that, like sure. his push for, for a ring. But I I, I, think, I don't think a lot of guys would push as hard as he's pushing right now is my point. Well, I think I'll just go to you know, those surveys they've done with players, yeah. ex-players, hey, you know, who have concussions. And, hey, would you do it all over again? Of course. For, would you trade it? No, I wouldn't trade a thing. Of course. You know, so. You want to put the helmet on as much as right. possible. Right. But, he's already, but he's, he's already got the fortune. He's getting it either way. So I guess it depends on, hey, if you do this again – you could lose, you know, what's, what's the chances of losing a leg? I don't know. Like, his, I mean, his wife's got to be in his ear if, he, if right. he's married, right? There are risks. I mean, we're good here, right? Yeah, right. We're good. Yeah, you have nothing to prove. But, yeah, next year is going to be very interesting if he does recover and, uh, you know, there's some sort of controversy between him and Haskins. What if Haskins is great? What if he's great? It's, it's, it's possible. Man. The guy, was, the guy had a great college career. An underrated an college career at Ohio State. So yeah, keep an eye on that. All right, so uh, other players on on that Lashawn McCoy. He's been on my list for like a year and a half. I think yeah. he personally can't stand me because of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's just money. It's just business. He's, right. he's still a nice player. He had a down year. I think he's been banged up for a couple of years now in Buffalo. He's sort of on the back end of this of, of his prime. So, but he's a contributor. I mean, there's teams. Look at I identify a team like the Chicago Bears for him. All right, who, sure. Who. They've got a couple of nice young pieces and a, and a piece like Tariq Cohen to sort of compliment LaShawn McCoy. But, but McCoy is maybe a two-down back in Chicago. That's more effective, I think, than where he stands. The Bills did a ton of work on their running back situation. Yes, a they ton. did. I mean, TJ Yeldon, Frank Gore, they drafted a third-round kid who can kind of do everything. The drafting of the running back, to me, says everything. Right, right. So, I mean, but they, it does sound they still want to give him one more year, let him play it out. It's just a lot of money. It's you could save six six million plus by by dumping him right now. So, I I don't know. He's going to be on this bubble through the rest of the summer until he's playing week one. <laughs> John Ross from the Bengals, Tavon Austin from the Cowboys. Yeah, a couple of guys who I don't know just haven't really done it. I mean, John Ross is still young. He's on a fully guaranteed contract, so it would have to be a trade out of Cincy. It's just a change of scenery kind of situation, like Corey Coleman or uh, Kevin White that we've seen in the past couple of years. A first round bust. Who maybe just you know thrives in a better system? I I, I don't know. Um, he probably sticks since he's reeling. My God, they lost their le- lost their left tackle yesterday for the entire year. Did you see that? No. First round pick Jonah Williams out for the year. Oh, so Cordy Glenn gets, Alabama. gets the oh, good job again. Wow. So they're already in trouble. So I I don't know. Maybe that actually forces more of a shakeup than anything. So we'll see. Uh, Tavon Austin, they brought him back on sort of a nice you know incentivized deal in Dallas, and then they signed Randall Cobb. To more money. Right. So I think the writing's on the wall there. We'll see what happens. Ed Dixon, uh, I can't believe he's stuck this long. 
He's one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. He did absolutely nothing last year. He's a he's a nice role tight end, but his days of downfield catching are done. I mean, I just can't imagine he sticks on this roster. And then finally, and this is my favorite part, the, the more I dug into these teams and, and, and what kind of movement we might see, I think we're going to see more than one kicker trade. I think so. The kicker, the I, kicker's the kicker. I, I mean, <laughs> it, the Bears for sure are going to do something. They've tried out like 47 kickers and hate them all. So they need a kicker because they're a great team, and th- that's a piece that they need to add. And I, I, do, I do think Robbie Gould's got to be in the conversation, right? He's on an unsigned franchise tag in San Francisco. They can trade him up until July 15th. That's the deadline to sign or trade the franchise tag players. He, he, he's got Chicago in his roots, right? I mean, it all, all signs point to there. So I, I like that. I like the kid out of Cleveland, Greg Joseph. I think he gets moved. They, they drafted a kicker in the fifth round, Kevin. So I, uh, once you do that, right. yeah, you're, the other you're guys gone. on the roster are in trouble. That's right? it. Well, so. yeah, you, you do not draft a kicker for him not to make the team. No. So uh, those two names, I think, should get floated around for movement. And I, Robbie Gould especially, he's, he's been one of the best kickers in football. Um, it's only like a $4.5 million franchise tag, nothing crazy. So let, let's keep an eye on the Bears and trade kicker trades this summer. All right. That, look for that list uh, coming up later this week yeah. at SpotTrack.com. All right. Final, uh, final note is on NHL. Free agency is next week in the National Hockey League. And one of the more intriguing things, you know, the, the big players, uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky, um, the goaltender, Columbus, and Panarin, the, the sniper, mm-hmm. and, you know, all uh, indications were Panarin was going to Florida, um, you know, no matter what, to go play with the Panthers, yeah. um, which uh, our friend Rayola would advocate because of the, <laughs> the of sales, sales tax, right? Of course. Um, but what's interesting, the, the NHL, the salary cap projection was 83. It It's actually 81.5. That's the ceiling. There's a floor and a ceiling in the NHL. So it went down a million and a half. So teams that were going, you know, the, the commissioner's office, they send out the teams. All right, here's what our projections are, what the final numbers around the draft. And so teams go by that projection. And the, the PA holds some power, the players do, when it comes to an escalator. And they can escalate the salary cap as much as 5%, which they always did initially. And last year, they did 1.5%. This year, they just did a half a percent. It's not good. And so it kind of... <laughs> You know, in one essence, I think two weeks ago we talked about how that cap is not rising enough, and then now we get this. Right. So, in one essence, you can say that the players are screwing the teams yeah. by not doing so, the association, or are they screwing themselves by not having as much money available in the free agency pool. So, guys like Panarin, well, hold on a second. Is he going to get as much money now? Or a team like Toronto that has uh, Mitch Marner, Jake Gardner. Uh, Marner, who is a restricted free agent, Gardner as UFA, mm-hmm. um, he's going to get paid. By the yeah. way, by somebody, um, and yeah, yeah, you're, Mike, Mike just pointed here I to like Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 if I were Buffalo, I'd be going after Jake Gardner. Also, um, I'd be looking at Mitch Marner on an offer sheet. I think a lot of teams are now offer sheets. Here's the issue, and it'll be interesting to see if anybody does it. Marner is a fantastic player. And if you sign a player to an offer sheet, you have to give up four first-round picks. For a player of that caliber. Right. Yeah. In a five-year window, by the way. So if you don't have a first-round pick in 2020, yeah. it's okay. Your next four are gone. People don't – now, two things with offer sheets. The player has to negotiate it with a team. So it's not just like you can mm-hmm. – hey, hey, Mike, you're a free agent. I'm submitting an offer sheet to you. Yeah. No, no, it's a negotiated contract. It's not a kidnapping. It's not – yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a uh, transactional thing paperwork-wise. The player's got to want to come and play for you. Uh, secondly, GMs are very uh, hesitant. They they call it the 
the poison pill. I, I wish the, I knew the numbers. What is it, like three in the last 10, 15 years? Well, I mean, it's very rare, Vanek right? was the, the big one. Yeah. Seth Jones was one. That's all I can think I of. I want right to say there. Forsberg was signed to one or was rumored, okay. then they traded him. I, Crazy rare, though. Very rare. But very rare. More for happens. your last point than the first. I don't think it's the compensation as much as, no. as much as it's the relationship between the GMs that gets damaged, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, guys get angry yeah. that you sign a player to, uh, I want to say Penner was one. Oh. From the Ducks to the Oilers. Okay. That may have happened. Um, but they get angry because yeah. you're basically stealing you're poaching a player. A player. Poaching yeah. a player. But f- first round picks are the currency used to make trades in the National Hockey League. Are they and, as powerful as they used to be, Kevin? Yeah, because the, they are. You, you look, the majority of players who are in the league, yeah. right, it's it's first round is the percentage is so much greater than the second round. And then after that, it's you know, like roll the dice, right? Sure. It's a crapshoot for sure. doesn't mean great players don't come out. I mean, Marty St. Louis Hall of Famer was an undrafted free agent. Yeah. That, that stuff happens in hockey because they draft him so young. But I, I, I think general managers are reluctant for two reasons. One, they don't want to piss off their network of buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, they handcuff themselves in the future, whether it be drafting first-round players or uh, making trades. And let's say you sign a guy and you stink and you win the lottery and you give up the first overall pick because you signed a player didn't work out. No question. I think I think there's a ton of fear. There's a ton of fear when it comes to that. So so the alternative is to just trade the rights. Right. The alternative is to trade Mitch Marner's rights. Let somebody sign him there. The, so, right? so let's say you're the um, I don't know Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. They have cap space. Yes, they do. They have a lot of cap. <laughs> they're a good team. They got a lot of cap space. So let's say they're negotiating with Mitch Marner and they want to sign him, but they don't want to do the offer sheet. Right. They can go to Toronto and say, Hey, look. That's right. You know what? That's what's that's what happens almost all the time. We, in the exploratory period, we you know. We can do this, or we can trade you a first-round pick. That's right. First and second for his rights, and we'll sign him. So that's what's going to happen, right? That, that's, that's what's going to happen ha- with I three, four of these guys, I right? I can't see Toronto Brain signing point. him. They can't pay him $11 million. He t- Apparently, he turned down $11 million. That's what the hot stove says, That's right? unbelievable, <laughs> right? That seems to be about his number, especially now with the lower cap. Well, just to go back to that real quick, how about these teams that sign players to extensions with 83 in mind? Right. Yes. So they they're thinking eighty three million dollar cap. They're th- they're budgeting for a certain amount of you know space and room. They're allocating certain dollars to players based on that. Teams like the the Sabers who signed Jeff Skinner, the Sharks who signed Sharks. Eric Carlson, oh, yes. at eleven and a half million. Ooh, yes. Right. I mean, yeah. th- those teams that did things early with one number in, in mind, and then the league dumps this on them. How do you let that happen? Right. How do you let that happen? I mean, you 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 put the Sharks behind the eight ball. Well, the amazing the amazing thing to me is how does it get to the nearly the eleventh hour? That's what I'm saying. And teams With don't know no, the cap. The the rumor came out six hours before it actually came down. Right. I mean, I hope teams knew way before that because we didn't. We certainly did not. Right. And and just to sort of put a bow on this, the NBA has not yet set their league cap. It's been rumored at 109 for for two and a half years now. Just like it's been rumored for 118 next year. But now I'm hearing rumblings. I'm starting to hear it that that number might shift, and it might be a kind of conversely, it might go up. And let me tell you why this is important or interesting. If the league does this, if they raise it to 112, let's say, which it very well could be, that is a big enough jump for teams like the Lakers and the Celtics and a lot of teams that the league really wants to to improve to fit that max player in. So you want to talk about some collusion, <laughs> right? <laughs> If 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 the league throws the Lakers a bone here to that degree and allows them to go and get a player like Kawhi Leonard, look out. 
All right. Look out. Wow. It's going to be a great week next week. Follow it all. SpotTrack.com. By the way, uh, if you are interested, check out the premium section, premium membership, SpotTrack.com. Ad-free experience. Some other nice uh, extras there at SpotTrack.com. You know what I want to do? Uh, maybe next week. Let's get Robert on, our sports tax man. I want to talk about this proposed Tampa Bay Montreal Rays situation. Because oh. that is a financial and a tax nightmare, right? Absolutely. We'll talk about that. Multiple countries to play in. It, there's no question about that. Uh, reminder, Spot Tracks presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Boy, they'll have to. They have any uh, Tampa Bay Ray players. They, <laughs> they'll have to give them. They're going to have any players? Of that? <laughs> they're going to have to give them some knowledge for sure on uh, some decisions they need to make about their finances and wealth uh, playing in multiple countries. If that happens, learn more. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. For Mike Gennady, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast.